Today's message will be a, a little bit different than usual. Um, in that we're not going to really look at any stories. We're just going to look at a few, a few different scriptures. And but I think what God's laid on my heart to talk about today is so important. Maybe. I feel like some weeks that what God lays on my heart to talk about is like the most important thing there is, but I feel like I feel that often. So maybe it's just because that's what I'm supposed to say today. So I was about to say it's like the most important thing there is, but it's probably not. It's the most important thing for today right now, because that's what I'm supposed to say. So what I want to talk about today is communication. I want you to start thinking about that, your communication with God and your communication with other people with relationships it seems like we talk a lot about relationships Jesus talked a lot about relationships Paul the apostle talked a lot about relationships Peter talked a lot about relationships and forgiveness and all throughout your Bible it's really what it is it's about people and their relationships with God and their relationships with other humans so if relationship is the most important thing, and I believe it is, you know, God's economy is completely relational. That's how God blesses you. Think about it. The biggest blessings that you will ever receive, they will come through relationships. The greatest things that will ever happen to you in your lifetime, it will be through relationship. It may be the day your kid was born, or it could be, but it's going to come through relationship. It's probably not you're just out in the woods all by yourself and God drops a big sack of money on you and that's going to be the greatest blessing. It's going to come through relationships. But on the flip side, your biggest failures will also come through relationship. Right? The, the times that you let people down, the times that you failed, the times that somebody hurt you or you hurt somebody or abuse comes through relationships. So the greatest blessings come through relationship, but also our biggest failures are seen in relationship as well. Matthew 22, verse 35. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Um, Jesus and the disciples are there. What did I say? 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. You ever had a lawyer ask you questions? I have. It's not fun. It's very uncomfortable. I've got the privilege of having multiple lawyers ask me questions before. And it's not fun. This lawyer shows up and he asks Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great or the greatest commandment in the law? Now, there were over 400 commandments in the law. And he's asking Jesus, which is the greatest one? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first, or the most important. This is the first. You need to get this one right. And the great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Oh, well, what's the second one, Jesus? 
because he only asked you for one. But Jesus said, these two are so, Jesus said, I got to say both of them. In other words, they're so closely tied together, like you're going to have to get both of these. The second one is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Just on these two. Jesus said, if you can figure out how to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, then everything else will be taken care of. Don't worry about anything else. Jesus said, just love God and love people. There's a thing, they've, they've done all these studies and... They've come up with a name for it. It's called creative affinity. And what it means is that you become increasingly more like that which you love the most as time goes on. And it's, it's we've talked about it before, so I won't spend too much time on it, but it's like, you know how they'll have those pictures of people that look like their dog? And it's because that's what they love the most. And so as time goes on, they look more and more like it because that's what you love the most. You start to look like more and more what you love the most. So this is why Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if that is true, and if God is what you love with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love God and you love people, then as time goes on and as you grow and mature physically and spiritually, you look more and more like that. Because that's what you love the most. John Maxwell, um, I heard him telling a story about his dad. And his dad was one of the kindest, sweetest men that just loved people and ministered to people his whole entire life. And he says that's where he learned to value people. Um, but he was kind of laughing about it. And he said when his dad was 90 years old, he was sitting and talking to him. And his dad said, isn't it wonderful that as people get older, they just love other people more and more. And John said that he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, that's not true. You do. But some people, as they get older, they get grouchier. Some people get older, they get stingier. Some people get older and they get meaner. They don't, it's, it's not just a given like as humans, as we get older, we just love people more and more. That's not true. And, and John Maxwell goes on to talk about, about valuing people. But he said that because he loves people, his dad loved people and valued people, that as he got older, he loved them more and more. And as he started looking into it and looking at different people, like the people that got grouchier as they got older and older, he realized that as you get older, Everything exaggerates. And if it's good, it's a very positive thing. But if it's bad or negative, then it becomes a very negative or a scary thing. You know, when you get to that age where you just say everything you think, well, 
that can be a really good thing and life-giving if the things that you think and you've trained yourself, or it can be a very bad thing, right? A very scary thing. So if relationship is the most important thing, then what is a relationship without communication? Not, a, not very good. That's the problem. Anybody that has marriage problems, they say 90% of marriage problems can be traced back to some form of bad communication, non-communication, not understanding. A relationship without communication is no good. So if the most important thing is for us to have a relationship with God and relationship with each other, then we should probably work on our communication skills we should know how to communicate with each other we should constantly be growing and learning and and trying to understand and hear what each other have to say and how each other feel and communicate a relationship can't thrive or even survive without communication I heard a story about a woman that um, she met with an attorney and she said, I want to divorce my husband. And he said, okay, I'd like to start with a few questions. She says, like what? Well, do you have any grounds? She said, yes, we have about five acres in the country. He said, no, I, I mean... Uh, do you have a grudge? She said, no, but we have a pretty wide carport and a storage shed. He's like, okay, let me ask you a, a, in a different way. Do you have any complaints about him? She said, like what? And he said, I, I don't know. Like maybe, does he beat you up? She said, no, I'm up at least an hour before him every day. <laughs> he said, okay, let's uh, try this from a different angle. What about your role here? Do you ever wake up grouchy? She said, no, when he's in a bad mood, I just let him sleep. Exasperated, the attorney finally asked, what exactly do you want? Why exactly do you want to get a divorce? And she said, well, the guy just can't communicate. <laughs> a relationship without communication is pretty hard to navigate. Now, you'll end up places you never wanted to go simply because you didn't communicate. man, I already jumped my notes. The next part of my notes says that 90% of all marriage problems come from bad communication. Slick. Uh. But it's true. If you think about it, think about any kind of problems, and, and we'll talk a little bit about marriage in and out of this, and I already have, because marriage, if you're married, it's the most important relationship in your life. If you're not married, 
it still should be very important to you as a Christian because marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church and we're the bride of Christ. So it's a pretty important relationship. And I've noticed that that guys, they want to fix things. Have you noticed that? I've noticed it in myself. You're always trying to fix the problem. She starts talking, you're trying to fix it. And that's not always what's needed. And and not just talking about a marriage relationship. You know, we do that in a friend relationship or a church relationship or a brother or sister relationship or somebody's going through a hard time and, you know, they've they've lost somebody that they loved or there's certain things that people run into hurt and pain or something that they need to talk about and I got news for you you can't fix it and it doesn't do any good for you to keep trying to fix it or giving your solutions they need to be heard and understand and realize hey she's upset and that's okay We want to fix the problem and then move on. And that's not really how it works. So men, how do you love your wife? Well, number one, communication. And by communication, I mean listen. And hear her. You've got to understand so that she feels heard. Do you know women have higher levels of FOXP2, which is a language protein? I didn't even know that. That's why they talk more. And there's all different studies that say different amounts, but they all say that women have a whole lot more words to say than men do in a day. (laughs) It's good to know. Me and Jesse had a marriage moment a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were talking, and I was honestly, just to give you a little bit of transparency, I was honestly getting frustrated in our conversation because I kept giving her solutions, what I thought. I kept trying to fix the problem, and she wasn't looking for me to fix the problem in fact some of that wasn't even problems I was just trying to like fix it and make it go away and so she kept talking and I was getting frustrated because I felt like she was saying the same thing over and over and over and over and I was like why does she keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over I've already told her like this is what we do now it's over let's forget about it move on and she's still saying the same thing and after a little bit of prayer and reflection I realized I wasn't actually listening to her and hearing what she was feeling and where she was coming from. And that's how I could have closed out the conversation or made her feel heard and let her realize he understands. Instead, I just kept trying to fix the situation. Ben, you got that? That video, I found this perfect little video to illustrate what I'm talking about in case you're not getting it. Um, Sometimes we need to just listen.
there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? So Romans 12, it tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Right, and sometimes you can't fix the problem or people aren't looking for you to fix all the problems. They just want to know that you're with them. They just want to know that whatever we face, I'm going to walk through it with you, that I feel your pain, I, I, I'm happy with you, we're happy, or whatever, whatever it is, they just want to know that you're there with them. That you're not always going to be able to fix it. But what you can say is, I'll go with you. I don't know how we're going to win this battle, but, but I'll go with you. Sometimes you may not be able to fix it. In Ephesians, Paul deals with all types of relationships. and So we're going to look at just a couple of little spots of that, and then we're going to end. In Ephesians 4, um, verse 25 all through here, Paul's dealing with all different kinds of relationships. Um, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. Wait, why are we talking about lying and truth? It's a big key to communication. Honesty. If you're not truthful and you're dishonest and you're lying all then you create trust issues and communication issues and all these problems with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. If I lie to you, I'm lying to myself. Be ye angry. There's a scripture for somebody. Be ye angry. But look at the next part. And sin not. You know, nothing will steal your freedom like anger. Some of the worst decisions you will ever make in your life are fueled by anger. What Paul is saying is, you must master your anger. 
not allow your anger to control you. It's an emotion God placed in you for a reason. right? But you're supposed to be in control of your anger. It should never control you. Well, Jesus got angry. Yeah, you're not Jesus. <laughs> and the things that made Jesus mad, I think, are a little bit different than the things that are making you mad, too. When you're controlled by your anger. What makes you angry? When you allow someone to make you mad, you have given them the control over your emotions. And you become a slave. Anger should motivate you to act, but it should never dictate your actions. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. What's Paul saying? Deal with it in a timely manner so that it doesn't become wrath. Bitterness, hate, unforgiveness. Because then it will start to control you. It'll mess with you. Don't fight against anger. Fight for love. And just use anger as a tool to motivate you. Never give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. A life of freedom is a generous life. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. None. No corrupt communication is supposed to come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Are you building people up with the things that you say and the way you choose to communicate and the way you live your life and the words that you speak to other people? And Paul's asking the question, are you building people up or are you tearing them down? Are you encouraging or are you discouraging? Verse 15, we didn't read it, but it's a famous verse. I'm sure you've heard it quoted um, where Paul's telling what maturity looks like. And in verse 15, he says, speaking the truth in love. You've probably heard people say that. I'm going to speak the truth in love. It's been my experience that when I've heard people say, I'm about to speak the truth in love, that means they're about to be a jerk. Right? Like, that's been my experience with it. That's them trying to make it okay that they're about to be mean. It says, speak the truth in love, not and love. Why? Because then you will speak the truth and you can save love for later. It's not speak the truth because the truth is harsh and mean, and then I'm going to put a cherry on top called love after a while. That's not what Paul's talking about. You can go read it and study it. It's speak the truth in love. And if you do not love someone, then your best strategy is silence. 
because you are incapable of speaking the truth in a way that will make them better. It's better for you to just be quiet than a jerk. If you can't speak the truth in love, if you don't love that person. Any of y'all know the humbler? You ever met somebody that feels like their their gifting is to be the humbler and shrink down people's heads that are getting too cocky? I've met a few of them. None of y'all in the room. Are you him or her? Yeah, I see that you're awesome. Like, you're doing some great things. and But I'm not going to encourage you or build you up because I don't want you to get a big head. I don't want you to, to get too arrogant. I want to tell you today that there are lots of jobs and callings in the body of Christ and all different kinds of giftings. And there's all the fruit of the Spirit has all different aspects to it and stuff. But no one has been called to be the humbler for somebody else. You're never called to tear down someone else for any reason. That's not your gifting. That's not your calling is to keep everybody grounded. I'm just keeping him grounded. I'm just reminding her where she came from. That's not your job. That's not a gifting of the Spirit. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, humbler, head shrinker. No. And really what that is, is usually insecurity. You think by shrinking somebody else down, it's going to help you shine. And it does the opposite. Right? You shine as bright as you can shine. It causes other people to shine. That's just insecurity if you can't celebrate someone else's greatness. In our communication, we should be building people up. Right? We should be encouraging people to chase after their purpose. We should be encouraging people to connect and be a part and to love and to, to be good husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and, and to be part of a family. And to We should be building people up, connecting, not tearing down, not discouraging people. We've been given the great gift of communication. It's what separates us from the animals. It's how well we can communicate. But don't waste it on evil, on tearing people down, on hurting people. On the other hand, I wanted you to think about who you're listening to. Like what voices you're allowing to communicate to you. And some of those voices may just be in your head from you, but some of those voices may be from somebody in your past or somebody that's even passed away and you still hear that, what was communicated to you of who you are, your worth. Your... I wanted to tell you today that if you're listening to the wrong voices, then you will find yourself making the wrong choices. Good communication 
is the bridge between confusion and clarity. Good communication. That's all it is. You can go from confused to clarity with good communication. It's what I try to do up here every single Sunday. It's communicate to you well. Try to think of a way that's going to make you remember. You can't be a good leader and a bad communicator. That's what leadership is. It's communication. If you can't communicate, then I would say you're probably not a very good leader. How are you going to communicate with people that you're trying to lead? How can you lead somebody if you can't communicate with them? Communication is not standing, not just standing up in public speaking. There's all different ways to communicate. But if you can't communicate, then how can you lead? Can you think of a good leader that's horrible at communicating? I can't. You know, there's lots of good players in sports. But most of them, a lot of them, aren't good coaches. You can't just take somebody that's a great baseball player and expect that they could be a great coach. They're not a good leader. They don't know how to communicate it. They can go out there and do it. They can go out there and smash the ball and play shortstop or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great coach of that. Some people are great coaches and they can't even, they can't go out there and do it. But they can communicate and lead so well that they can coach it and lead. I've seen this one become very detrimental. And I try really hard in my own life as my kids are growing up to not, to not do this. But some people don't change the way that they communicate with their children as they grow up. Do you know you're not supposed to communicate with 30-year-old married with children Johnny the same way you communicated with 5-year-old bedwetting Johnny? You're supposed to change the way you communicate with them as they grow up and become adults. It does something in them if you're still mothering them when they're a mother. And you're supposed to still mother them, but it's supposed to change the way you communicate. Right? You, don't, you don't still treat them like you did when they were a little kid and you were trying to train them and grow them up. I heard a guy say that the first time he ever talked back to his mom, not only did she spank him, but she grounded him for a week. And he said the worst part of it was he had to call his wife and tell her he wouldn't be home for seven days. <laughs> like That should change as you grow, okay? <laughs> Communication is not at one and done it's not well I communicated with you well that time and now we're good from now on no communication is a relationship 
It's an ongoing thing. I can't communicate well with my wife, Jessie, today and then just expect that we're good for the next five years. That doesn't work. It's an ongoing thing. As we keep growing and learning and living and maturing, we grow together. As Christians, we should be working on our communication with God and people. It's an ongoing thing. It's a living relationship. Ephesians 5, 21. This will be the last scripture. And we'll be done. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. This is a familiar passage of scripture. I think it gets read at every wedding and all kind of stuff. Again, it's Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, out of respect for Christ... Be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands. How? Communicate in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor. Since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No. He feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church. Since we are part of his body, and this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery. And I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife. Loving himself and loving her. And how each wife is to honor her husband. So maybe today you you hear that whole little section or a few things I've mentioned about marriage. And you say, well, I'm not married. Maybe I'll never get married. Okay, cool. Are you a Christian? We just read from Paul right there that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Like, if I take a picture of a taco, which one's more real? The picture or the taco? The taco. Without the taco, I couldn't have taken a picture. The taco is the real one. 
I don't know why I use taco for an example. I guess I'm getting hungry. I'll wrap this up. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter tells us, he's telling how to treat your wife. And then he ends that verse, verse 7. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. He's saying, husbands, this is how you should treat your wife. This is how you should honor her and talk to her so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So the way you treat people or the way you communicate with people can hinder your communication with God. Oh, it's just me and Jesus. Cool. Did you know that your relationships with people and the way you treat people can affect your communication with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is our communication with God. Every relationship impacts your life. Some big, some small, in all different ways. Every relationship will impact your life. They say on average, the average person will influence 70,000 people in their lifetime. The average. And so some people are much, much higher than that. And some obviously lower, but think about that. You will influence in a positive way, in a negative way, in a could be good, could be bad. You could influence them for God or for whatever. 70,000 people while you live on average how you communicate matters every relationship will impact your life now your mailman probably didn't have as big of an impact as say your mom and dad unless you had a spectacular very dynamic mailman it would be pretty impressive but probably not there's all different relationships, and some will impact your life much more. Some relationships change your life, and that's okay. They were meant to. In fact, there are some relationships that change everything. Every aspect of your life. The way you live, your money, the way you think, what you do. How, some, some relationships will change everything everything like marriage having children like there's certain relationships that change everything and a lot of people that's the problem they get because they think nothing's going to change if they you know everything changes think about it this way if I talk to somebody that's recently gotten married and I say to them what everybody always says how's married life treating you that's what you're supposed to say that somebody that's not been married long and what if they said to me honestly nothing's changed I'm gonna what nothing's changed since you've been married what would my response be to that what's wrong have y'all found a good counselor yet Things should have changed, right? Like, 
If nothing's changed, there's a problem. You may be headed for divorce. Things should have changed. That's a relationship that should change some things. Something's not right. But what if you asked a mom, how has your life changed since you had kids? And she said, it hasn't. Nothing's changed. I still do all of the same things that I used to do. I have the same hobbies. I go on the same vacations. Um, I still go to work the same amount of hours. I still go have my same gym routine. Yeah, nothing's changed. What? All of my feelings are the same. I don't have any different emotions. My sleep patterns haven't changed. Yeah, I, just, I really can't even tell the difference. It's the exact same life. I just have these awesome blessings of kids. My life hasn't changed at all. What would you think? she told you that one of the things be running through my head is she's a bad mom why does she not have a mothering instinct like what like, there it's a major problem red flag red flag not a good mom man i have a uh, i have a hog right now and i love her she's a great hog She's one of the sweetest ones I have. Her name's Delilah. She's very pretty. And we have just found out recently that Delilah is not a good mother. She doesn't have the mothering instinct. She doesn't protect her babies. I can just get in there and get her babies and she doesn't even bother me. And for that reason that she doesn't have the mothering instinct, she's lost half her lither. Her half of her litter has died. And it's a very sad thing to me that she doesn't protect her babies. And so we've had to make the decision that, you know, next time around, Delilah's not useful as a mother, so she's going to go to freezer camp. It's a fun camp that pigs get to go to sometimes. But... I say that to say this, that nothing changed for Delilah. She had babies and then she still just lived her life. When food gets poured out in the trough, she just takes off and goes and eats the food and then goes and hangs out across the pen with the boar and nobody's watching the babies. Nothing changed. She didn't have that mothering instinct. So why does she not get to be a sow on the farm because she doesn't allow the relationship of the piglets to change her. I wonder today as we, we close and we pray that, like we all say we're Christians, but if we don't allow the relationship of God to change us, and if we're not growing and in five years, we still look the same and in 10 years we look the same and it didn't change us and and when people look at our lives and how we communicate with other people and how we communicate God's love and how we we let our anger control us or not control us and all the things that we've been talking about today when people look into our lives when we when we speak the truth in love and I wonder if we've allowed our relationship with God to change us. 
your relationship with God should touch and impact and change every area of your life. And without good communication, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Philippians 4, 6 tells us to bring everything to God with prayer. The closer you get to people, the more you love them. The closer you get to somebody, a certain group of people. I've heard people talking all kind of junk about homeless people. They're scam artists. They're just trying to get your money and talking all kind of junk. And then we started feeding homeless people. And that person started going. Got closer to them and learned some of their names. And heard some of their stories. And had a big heart change. Because the closer you get to people, or a certain group of people, or individuals, the more you love them. Remember, Jesus saw people and was moved with compassion. He saw hurting people and he went to them, got close to them. He, he told Zacchaeus, hey, come down out of that tree. I want to go to your house and eat. I want to get to know you. The more you separate, the more you judge. See, religion places people on the outside, and and then we build walls. But relationship places people on the inside, and we build bridges. And because of sin, we lost communication with God. Because Adam and Eve chose sin, and so we lost that communication. Life. Because sin is death. But one day God talked to Jesus and said, hey, you know this plan. I need you to go down there and and communicate. I want you to bring some good sermons and messages and teach them. But communicate who I am to them. And you're going to have to die. But what you're going to do is fix the line of communication between me and all my sons and daughters. You're going to pay the price to bring them back home. Show them how to communicate with me and each other and how to love and how to bring healing and hope and light. And that's what happened. That's what he did. So that we could be free. We can be here on the 4th of July and celebrate our freedom and, and live life and have free will and, and choose to love. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you that you can communicate with us that you can speak to us, that you find us where we are. God, help us to work on our relationships. How do we do that? Through communicating. Help us to become better communicators. 
Help us to listen to each other and hear each other's hearts. Help us to walk each other through hard times, good times, bad times, ups and downs. And to live in community like you've called us to. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.